This is the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey is more than a game. It's a lifestyle. It's you, the diehard supportive fans, your favorite players who are on the team you cheer for and the organization who supports them. The companies that make your gear, bags, and beer league sweaters, the hockey moms and hockey dads, and everything else that makes this House of Hockey your home. Come on in. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. And And this this is is our our house. house. Welcome to episode 25 of the House of Hockey podcast. This episode is sponsored by Playbook Products. Playbook Products is a really cool company who puts your favorite sports plays on any kind of product like coasters, posters, coffee mugs, backpacks, you name it. They probably have the product and they probably have the playbook play that you can put on it so you can relive your favorite moment or play with playbook products today and go to playbookproducts.com tell them that breezy and ray ray sent you from the house of hockey podcast welcome to the episode i'm ray ray (laughs) and i'm breezy (laughs) and uh, before we dive into a lot of topics that we have to get to, um, let's tell everybody who our guest is, uh, Isha Jerome, who is the co-founder of the Hockey Podcast Network, and he's also the host of the Soda Pod, which is all things, as you guessed it, Minnesota Wild talk. Uh, so we had him on to uh, talk about both the Minnesota Wild season, uh, running the network, how our Hockey Net- Podcast Network got started and Canucks as well because he's uh, from Vancouver. Yeah, and we talked a little bit too about because you mentioned that he is the co-founder of the network. His business partner is Dylan, and we found out how Isha and Dylan had met. Um, it's very interesting. I had no idea that they. I had. You'll hear all about it. But anyway, so uh, yeah, we uh, we talked. Disha about all things Minnesota, Canucks, the riot that was going on in Vancouver. Um, many, yeah, and like many, he yeah. was he was down and around it. He wasn't part of the rioting, but he right. was in the middle of all of that. So yeah, and the network. What you, I mean, you're obviously listening to us, but I don't know if you know who else is on the network. You're going to get the inside scoop, and it's so exciting. And we are. We were happy to talk to Isha. He's such a good guy and really easy to talk to, really fun to talk to. And I feel like we just, you know, need to have a beer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got lots of great insights on his team. And he's really committed to covering the team that he was covering this season, which was Minnesota Wild. And very analytical. Yeah. Yeah. Very analytical, which is good. You don't necessarily get that. I mean, we don't give super analytical. insights but uh that's not why you love us yeah (laughs) (laughs) but isha does yeah and speaking of exciting news i am in maine as you all know and breezy knows and i have a little connection here to the local access channel in the in the town that i'm in in maine And they have generously agreed to air the video version of the podcast. So if you all didn't know, we record 
these episodes and put them on YouTube every weekend for you if you prefer to watch us. And the um, the local access cable channel is now airing the video versions of the House of Hockey podcast. And so we're kind of a big deal in this one town in Maine, Breezy. One town in Maine. That's so insane. How do you feel I about mean, that? I've never thought that I would be on TV, first of all. I, I'm just not a, a big television person, host person, anything like that. So uh, it's actually really cool, though. That's something that I never thought of. I can't wait for you to take a clip and, uh, and show us. Um, oh, you all know I will. You all oh, know I oh, will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait until the next time I have to go to the grocery store in town and then maybe somebody will recognize me, though it will be hard because we have to wear a mask, you know, everywhere. But yeah. they might just be like, are you the house of hockey, hockey lady? And they might be like, where's Breezy? How's she doing today? How's life in Los Angeles? And yeah. And yeah. And maybe one day we'll have to give autographs. You never know. Let's put never it out know. there. We'll yep. be interviewing the Beebs. We'll be interviewing uh, Miss Underwood. Harry, Fisher. Yeah. And we'll be giving out autographs. We'll be being interviewed in um, in-game in-game arenas by our in-game arena hosts, friends that we're, we're making along the way that's coming up on another episode. But uh, yeah, we're, we're big time, Breezy. We're going to be big time. I like it. Not big as analytical, rush. but big time. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Maybe we'll get analytical about some, I don't know. We go on tangents. Sometimes we, we can get a little analytical. Yeah. But like when it's necessary. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when it's necessary. Uh, yeah. Speaking of big time rushes and big time hits, I would like to get your thoughts on um, Richie's hit in the Bruins lightning game that happened a couple of days ago. His, his five minute, he got what, a five minute major for that? Yep. He got a five minute major for it. Um, I, okay, I'm not going to hold back. I hate the guy. I've never liked Nick Ritchie when he played on the Ducks. I hated the kid because obvious reason he's a duck, but his face just irritates me. Not because of like his looks, but just his face irritates me. And the fact of like, I feel like the kid thinks he can do anything he wants and like, it's just whatever. And so perfect example was he did the hit yesterday. Well, was the other day, right? The other day. So he did the hit and he was kind of acting like nothing was wrong. Like it wasn't anything bad. And I was just like, what, what is wrong with this kid? This is the issue that the NHL is having, especially when, you know, that was a dirty hit. That was, should not have even happened. And he only got a five minute major for it as of right now from, I mean, it's only the next day. You guys are hearing this uh, a couple days later. Mm-hmm. There's no talks on any kind of suspensions or fines or anything like that. But if it was a Tom Wilson hit, he'd be out for three games. Oh, yeah. And so, and I think that Nick Ritchie is a dirtier player than Tom Wilson. And I, and I think Tom Wilson has dirty plays, and I think he doesn't have dirty plays. He has hockey plays. Nick Ritchie, dirty player. Just going to yeah. say it. Oh, Yeah. And it was interesting listening to that game. I was able to watch some of it. And the announcers were talking about, like, as a, as a coach, 
uh, the Bruins, why are you putting him back on the ice? Because it ended up costing them two goals or one goal or whatever because of the five minute power, the the power play. Mm -hmm. And when do you go as a coach? This isn't helping us. This is hurting us. It's hurting Mm -hmm. our chances. How do you control a player like that? And when do you make the decision not to put him back out on the ice? And right. he put him back out on the ice. So but, Yeah. And even when he got his five-minute major, when they had announced it, the uh, Tampa head coach was like, is he gone? Is right. he gone? And he wasn't gone. And he should have been. He should have just been removed from the game at that point. But I'm not a ref. I, no. I'm not a coach. I'm, not, I'm just a fan. But that's my personal opinion. And yeah. it's maybe biased because I don't like the kid, but. Hey, there's people you don't like. There's people, other fans of other teams, they dislike greatly. And mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really appreciate that kind of play. I think I'm all for a good fisticuff, uh, you know, drop the gloves kind of thing. If after, you know, some pushing and shoving and, and chirping and, and all of that. When it comes to your head into a board, that's where you have to draw the line. That's, that's not being safe and, and looking out for your, your peers who you're, who you're yeah. playing with and whether it's a, a team you're not, you know, on or a team you hate, you should never be out for blood. And I think that's the kind of play that happened yesterday. Or the I, other day. Yeah, I agree. I think the malicious intent, even though I'm sure he wouldn't say he had malicious intent, but no. that's what those kinds of people say. But I don't support that kind of uh, constant, all the time, all the games, do, making mm-hmm. those kinds of hits. It's just not, right. I don't know. I, I don't think. <sighs> and some will argue it's playoff hockey. You're going to have to have, which I totally agree, you have to have hard hits. You have to, you know, be aggressive out there, fight for your teammates and whatnot. But I don't think. That hurt checking, them. Checking that, that a guy. That hurt the Bruins more than yeah. it, it gained anything for them. Yeah. In my, it, based on and the he score. Was, he was so far away from the boards when he was hit yeah. in the first place. It's like, did you think you were just going to give him a little hippie and he was just going to bounce around like a little balloon? Like, no. No. You knew his head was going in and it didn't look like he was diving to me, like to make his head go into the board. So no. Yeah. We, we don't approve. <laughs> no, no stamp of approval there. No, no. <laughs> but what we do approve of, or at least I approve of is the NHL taking a, uh, well, I guess the players and the NHL supporting the players' decision to postpone two days' worth of playoff hockey games. That happened uh, Thursday's games and Friday's games. They um, decided in light of the Jacob Blake murder and shooting, he's a black man, Um, this happened in Wisconsin, and... Uh, a bunch of the other leagues, the NBA, the MLB, uh, even the NFL suspended or postponed practices for the day and the NHL and the players got behind this movement as well and didn't play two days worth of playoff hockey. And I approve of this. I, I have thought a lot about this and have had a lot of discussions about, you know, what does it really do if they just don't play 
for two two days, you know. But what it does, in my opinion, is it really it's getting people's attention. And it's a great way to show the fans and, and draw attention to the issue by saying we're not going to play. And I have to support the players and I support the players decision to do this as a fan. I think I have to love the players uh, and support their choices, especially when it comes to important social matters such as this. Um, this is a big deal. This is important. And this isn't, you know, something that should be taken lightly. And so I support the players doing that. And there was a big press conference. I'm sure you've seen the photos of, of Revo and I forget who else was there, but it was in the Western conference teams and all of the uh, white players were standing behind the handful of black players. As we've talked about, there's only eight, nine in the league. Think so. so it's a low, low number. It's and something, yeah, super low. We've talked about that before, but um, on a previous episode. And I think that's those kinds of images, those kinds of moments are, are things that the world needs. Yeah, I think that, you know, doing what they, what they did, they're showing their support for their teammates and their their peers and I think that's what you need to do and and like you like you said by not playing it's bringing light to a situation that may not be um getting the attention of of others who are not directly in it or or seeing the stories or whatever it is and if they're let's face it if, if you're watching sports you probably are in the sport sports world you're not looking out at what's going on at the uh the other side of the world and for them to stop playing people would probably be like well why aren't they playing and then researching it and finding the truth behind it so um i think it's always good to uh stand up for what you believe in and for supporting your your peers and your brothers and sisters and you know your teammates and, and whatever you do to help make sure that they feel supportive uh or supported sorry um and I, and I think that's just the right thing to do to be a, a decent human. I agree. I think it's going to take, you know, it takes big things like this, big actions from people to keep the movement of change. If you want to change something, you know, it takes time. It takes a lot of actions, repeated positive actions. And a lot of people are going to say, this doesn't have anything to do with sports. And I don't know that I totally agree with that statement, but I do think that we look up to these players and we have sport as our entertainment and our outlet and we, we love it. But I think this is a place to start to get people's attention to, to show them that, you know, we need to make a change. And if your favorite athlete is saying, I'm not going to play this really important game today, and our league supports us. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would hope that it inspires uh, everybody to yep. who sees that to to take a look at what's happening in the world and and um, how we can help make change. I agree. That's just what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, and uh, no big changes yet 
in the the playoffs of this round. No, uh, officially, as we are recording this, though, there have not been any any anybody moving on to the next round. Though I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning will have advanced by the time uh, you're listening to this from when we recorded it. But maybe don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. You think you're a jinx. I don't think I'm a jinx. Okay, I'm not saying nothing. All right, don't say nothing. I'm just gonna <laughs> sit down and I'm just gonna watch the games and not cheer for anybody. That's fine. That's fine. I'm very impressed with the Islanders. They've been playing really incredible. Uh, The Golden Knights, of course, just playing that great game of hockey. And I think you guys will be very interested to hear from Isha, the guest this week, talk about this series and his opinion on his hometown team, the Canucks, and uh, hear what he has to say about this series. I, I think you'll appreciate that opinion from him. I agree. And uh, like we said before, he should give pretty good insights on things. And um, he gets pretty, pretty deep into the Canucks world and the the wild world, even though the wild aren't in the playoffs anymore. Um, Canucks are still, still kicking as of when we're recording this. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else other than that. No jinxies. Uh, but I think no jinxies. <laughs> um but yeah I think uh I think I really enjoyed talking to Isha and I think that we got some really good info out of him um and yeah I'm excited for everyone else to hear it this is the part of the podcast where we let you yes you hockey fans take the mic and tell your story of interacting with an NHL player past or present Hi, my name is Kendall Andros, and my story is about Ryan Kessler from the Anaheim Ducks. I met Ryan Kessler at the fanfare in 2018. Nope, I'm lying, sorry, 2016, and I was pregnant. And went up, got my jersey signed by him, and we were chatting, and he asked when I was due. And I told him we were due in March and that we were naming the baby Kessler after him. So fast forward a year later, uh, it was right after he had his hip surgery, and he was doing signatures and everything, but he was standing there, and they told us all as we were in line to just hand them your, your item, let them sign it, and you can take a picture while they're signing it. You weren't supposed to stop and take pictures with them and just to try to keep the lines moving. And so I got up there. And I had my son, Kessler, with me. And I walked up to him and asked him if he, I didn't know if he remembered me. And I told him that we were pregnant the year before when we met. And I told him we were naming him Kessler. And he was so excited and completely humbled and just really, really awesome. And he stopped the entire line and took my son and stopped and got pictures with him. And it was just really cool for him to stop and do that, even though he wasn't supposed to. He did. And so I have these amazing pictures of my son with the hockey player we named him after. And then the next year, we went again, and he didn't, as I walked up to him, he didn't even have to ask who I was. He knew exactly who I was. He remembered Kessler and took more pictures with him, and it was just such a cool experience to see um, just how amazing hockey players are and how sweet they are. And so I'll never forget it, and my only wish is that I could take pictures with my son and Kessler every year, just until he's at least 18. <laughs> but it, he was just super sweet and extremely nice, and we had a, a fun time, and I definitely chose the right name. 
So that's my story. We'd love to hear your story if you have one of interacting with an NHL player past or present. Just call our phone number 323-438-2648. Tell us your name. Tell us the NHL player's name and the team they play for. And then tell your story in five minutes or less. And you just might hear it on an upcoming episode of the podcast. Our podcast is proud to be on the Hockey Podcast Network, and the network is home to many other incredible podcasts, including this one. I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday, we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan. So tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! Welcome to the House, Isha Jerome, co-founder of the Hockey Podcast Network and host of the Soda Pod, all about the Minnesota Wild. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Welcome, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Hardly. I'm, I'm one of the people here. I, I also produce a podcast. And Breezy, I know you'll love this. Uh, it's just as much about the Minnesota Wild as it is about beer. So there you go. Oh, Okay. Yeah. It's a yep. fun one. Need- my, my, my co-host calls himself the state of hoppy and he's, uh, he's the <laughs> expert on the show. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. What's like the best beer in Minnesota? There's so many, there's so many right now. He, he swears by the peanut butter Porter, uh, from Waconia brewing. And we actually had them on the show a few weeks back, Hugh talkie guys. And also just their, their master brewer is just unbelievable. Um, but I'd say that the beer scene in the state of Minnesota rivals that of British Columbia up here in Canada, Portland in the States, and even California. Like, it is unreal. Oh, I've never even been to Minnesota. I got to go. And yeah. I love peanut butter. Peanut butter is my favorite. Breeze, we just need to bring you on so you and the state of Hopping can just talk about craft beer for an hour, and Rachel and I can just sit back and and listen exactly (laughs) we could just drink the beer yeah we could just drink the beer while you talk (laughs) about it there you go (laughs) you should tell everybody where physically are you and then tell everybody the team situation of what podcast you host and then what team you follow personally just set oh, yeah. the set the slate here so people listening have an understanding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I live in Vancouver Island, so as west as you can get uh, in Canada, the Hawaii of Canada, I like to say, because you can surf here and there's no and there's barely any snow, um, though it rains like crazy because we're literally a rainforest. A fun fact to any of those uh, those nerds listening, much like myself. Uh, Return of the Jedi was actually filmed on Vancouver Island. The planet Endor literally is, well, was my backyard. 
so there you go. Vancouver Island, wow. beautiful spot. Um, so it, it should be called Victoria Island because Victoria is the biggest city on the island and it's the capital of BC. But Vancouver, much like Toronto, out in Ontario, likes to be like the center of BC, even though they're just south mainland. But anyways, as a result, um, grew up northern BC and, and, and on Vancouver Island. The team I primarily follow and uh, that I say is that I, I bleed blue and green because I love the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, always have and always will. But since covering the Minnesota Wild here uh, on the Hockey Podcast Network, I literally have gone all in on this team, both as like someone who can remain like analytical and and and, um, and really I don't dig into them and, and analyze them, but also as a fan. And um, I attribute that first and foremost to the market, and I'll get into that in a little bit here. Um, but to be honest, and to you two and to everybody listening, I watched two Vancouver Canucks games all season prior to the qualifiers, and one of them was a 7-2 loss to the Rangers. So I went all in on Minnesota. I watched all their pre – I didn't miss a preseason game. I watched every single one of their games so that, you know, if I'm going to cover this team out of market, I have to at least, you know, know my stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe not historically, but at least – you know, in the present. And uh, yeah, I think I did a good job of that because I ended up just loving the team and they weren't the most exciting team, but there were storylines throughout the season. Um, their coach, Bruce Boudreaux is one of the most animated coaches. And if anything, he was the star of the team more so than any of the players this year. And of course with Billy Guerin coming in as the general manager from Pittsburgh, former player, he's one of the most candid coaches out there. So it was just a lot of fun just to hear him speak post game and stuff. So it's been so much fun covering the wild. And I absolutely like one of the best hockey markets, not only in the United States, but in, you know, the entire nation, in my opinion. You're totally biased. I'm not. I'm a Vancouver person. I'm supposed to hate the wild back in, what was it? 2003, 2004 when West Walls just scored his first five goals ever in a series and destroyed the West coast express. No, 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 no bias whatsoever. <laughs> I appreciate the dedication. I mean, to go from not really knowing much about the team to going all in, I mean, that alone should make you want to listen to the soda pods. So there you go. There you go. Sprinkling a little beer talk, some good guests. Try to do the, try to do the best that I can while also managing a network. And uh, well, last year I was also going to school and working full time and I was in a long distance relationship that was an hour away. So it was just, it was a, it was a busy year to say the least. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot. Talk about how the, the hockey podcast network started. No, it started actually, and I'll pull the curtains back a little bit more. It started out with a podcast that uh, the co-creator, Dylan Kayser, who actually does a great job hosting the Stick Hungry podcast here on the network covering the San Jose Sharks. Uh, him and uh, his producer and former San Jose Sharks and Boston Bruin, uh, Kyle McLaren, host that show. And they have a ton of fun, especially you know, being out of the playoffs and knowing that they've been out of the playoffs for so long. Uh, they, they have a lot of fun on that show. So Dylan and I... Uh, we've been friends since we were kids, like we were in grade seven together, went through high school together, but really bonded over playing ball hockey together. Street hockey is what, what it's called down south. Um, we'd play ball hockey, especially in Vancouver Island, there's no snow. You can't go skate on your local pond. You go to your local box across uh, court and you play ball hockey. So we bonded- wait, wait, your local what across? Box lacrosse. So we play real oh. lacrosse up here in Canada. <laughs> uh, none of that field stuff. But anyways. Wait, what's uh, box lacrosse? It's it's basically instead in a it's lacrosse in a hockey rink with cement on the ground, so you can use the okay. boards. You can use the boards, yeah. 
Okay, got it. Sorry, I was like, sense. I don't know what yeah. you just. I don't know what that is. Uh, so basically, hockey troll is going to listen. <laughs> yeah, hockey troll is going to listen to this and, and roll his eyes at me because he's a, he's a field guy and we've gone at it before. But anyways, okay, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no worries. So Dylan and I bonded over just like playing hockey in, in various leagues um, and and you know being friends in high school and whatnot. And it wasn't until like after high school, a few years where we like reconnected, grew up listening to our local AM radio, a sports talk radio, everyone involved in that radio station. We just fell in love with as kids and they continue to stay there. The core, um, even to this day, some of the core members are still there. And it came to a point where Dylan and I, like we turn on the radio and be like, man, like every topic in their show, we covered just talk, you know, shooting the breeze over beers or in this case, road trip into to this camping spot. And we were like, man, this was about in 2015. We we're like, we should do a podcast. This was before everyone and their dog was doing a podcast, which I'm grateful for now on the network. So many people that we like choose from and work with. But back then there wasn't a lot. And there was like maybe like one or two in, in the Vancouver market. So we decided, okay, well, we'll, we'll make a podcast. You know, we might as well turn on a mic while we're talking hockey. He had a background in producing hip hop music and had a pro- uh, background in, in music production. So we had all the gear and well, the background in producing. So producing podcasting was so much easier than producing music that we could bank and uh, bank content and bang out, you know, editing so quickly more so than just the average you know, indie podcast. So we, we started one with Vancouver Canucks colors branding called the stick and rink podcast, which we just had a lot of fun, you know, talking about hockey, Vancouver Canucks and really pumping the junior and university leagues on Vancouver Island and on the mainland. There's only so much we can do with this podcast, you know, with the resources we have, and we're not really going to monetize it. So what can we do to actually, you know, make a business, make some money while putting in the, the effort and time into this? And we said, well, if we're not going to, instead of having one podcast, let's have 30 plus. <laughs> and kind of the, the Hawk Podcast Network idea that Dylan brought forth was born. And we started heavily scouting. We spent like, while still doing stick and rink in the latter half of the second year, we started listening to hours and hours of indie podcasts and, you know, people working in radio and media, whatnot, you know, we reached for the stars with a few, which, you know, obviously just pitching them with an idea, no money. And just kind of with our limited backgrounds, we couldn't sell a lot of them, but we got, we sold a few people and we built up a very good core, which again, as we finished up our scouting towards, you know, closer to October when we launched last year, um, this thing was, was a real, was the real deal. And we got the snowball rolling um, for lack of a better uh, metaphor there. And, uh, and ever since then, we, we've kept growing. That was the most important goal starting this thing was to build a community, build a core, and then next year, take it to the next level content, you know, streaming and actual production wise. But in the meantime, I think everyone kind of pulled their weight and uh, it's, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. We're having a lot of fun and we love doing a podcast every week. And now just so people listening who don't know a lot about the network, there is a team specific podcast. So there's 31 podcasts for each. There's one for each team, right? On the network. Yeah. So there's a, and then there's an additional ones like outliers, like house of hockey that are more branded specific, right? Yeah, we call them the boutique line, actually. Oh. Um, and, you can, and you can actually thank Hockey Troll for that one. <laughs> Breezy, um, we're on the boutique line. Exactly. Ooh, he, was like, you don't wanna, he was like, you don't want to call them niche. He's like, niche markets? No, boutique line. So there you go. Mm. Um, but no, that's just it. We have, a, we have a podcast covering every market in the National Hockey League. And then that's, that's kind of the base. It's like, so if you are a Chicago fan, if you're a Nashville fan, you can find those markets. If you want to veer in, you know, say you like some of the other hosts that you hear appear on the, the podcast you like, and you want to veer off and, and check and check them out. You can do that as well. And then we're slowly starting to fill 
every sector of the hockey landscape, be it, you know, lifestyle, be it hockey fights, be it we have a music-based one uh, that we just launched, the, the Bar Down Breakdown, where it's kind of, you know, New York Islanders-based, but very much punk rock-based. And they get their guests to come and talk about their, the teams that they love, the players they love. One of their last guests just you know, went off about uh, Ron Hextall and his days playing, you know, the psycho goaltender he was for the Philadelphia Flyers. So that's been pretty cool. Obviously, Terry Ryan, one of the best storytellers in all of hockey. If you are a hockey fan of one particular market, you'll find that on the network. And if you want more, not just team specific, you can find that. Actually, I guess it'll be, it won't be tomorrow when this podcast launches, but uh, go back and listen. On August 20, uh, 28th, the Friday, we, we launched the, the European-based podcast show, um, which we're really excited. The Europuck podcast, which will be available wherever you find your podcast as well. So I, I knew I was missing one, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool too, because I feel like so many people are so drawn, like a hockey fans are so drawn to one uh, podcast in particular, which we don't need to promote here because everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> so when you are a hockey fan and you may not want to listen to that particular podcast, there's so many other podcasts that are giving you just as much information as that one is, if not more, and covers every single team. And there's so many great guests that everyone, you know, kind of brings on. So, um, I mean, I love being a part of the network. I think the network has so much to offer and, and I feel like fans should know everything they possibly can know about it. So mm -hmm. that's why we have you. So I brought oh, you well. on. Thank you very much. It's very humbling to hear that. And we're like, we're so excited to, to have you two aboard. I mean, everybody who I talk to, all the NHL uh, guys and gals, they, they're always like, oh, like, I, I listen to every episode of the House of Hockey. I love the guests. I can't wait to go on. <laughs> I was just actually talking prior to jumping on here with the Pittsburgh Penguins guys at Tip of the Iceberg. And they, I was like, say sorry, guys, I got it. Like, I got to go. I told them I only had 30 minutes. And they had like one more question, like dragged it on a little bit because I'm verbose if you haven't, uh, if you haven't uh, you know, heard already. Um, and they're just like, so, so why like, just what, what do you got going on after this? I'm like, oh, I'm jumping on the house of hockey podcast. They're like, we love them. We love them. They're awesome. <laughs> Listen to them all the time. Um, so no, uh -huh. you're doing great work and it's so awesome. And this is, I guess this is a perfect segue and, and a connection to what I was saying about this being a community, being a network. The only way that we connected Rachel was through Bayou Benders, who's uh, at the time wasn't even doing Habs work, was just uh, kind of our fill-in guy for making the rounds on the network, uh, you know, carving out a, a niche respectfully for himself. And he was the one who's like, hey, I've been, I've been talking to this woman on Instagram. I think, uh, I think she'd be a great guest. <laughs> you know, timing just worked out perfectly. Yeah. We were able to, to hook up for a, a podcast hit and yeah. just boom, House of Hockey was born. <laughs> and what? It, it, it literally was that fast. Too good. Yeah. It's all been uh, a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun talking to a bunch of different people on the network and family. And we've been on a few different podcasts uh, as guests for some of the, some of the guys and on the stadium, what stadium, stadium series, stadium uh, series and, and all of that. So it's been a and great time. So many friends, like every person that we have had on the podcast, like I feel like we've just become almost instantly best friends with, which I think is the coolest thing because outside of having a podcast, like we would have never talked to probably any of these people. And um, you learn so much too. I mean, this past week we, we had a uh, Greg on and we learned about hockey in Australia. 
and ice hockey in Australia because there's it's different. There. <laughs> there's two types of hockey apparently. Just my like your my roommate's Australian and she's just like all about the playoffs right now. And no, yeah, I, exactly. She's like ice hockey, ice hockey, ice hockey. Ice hockey. Which is funny because Greg said that a lot of Australians are Canucks fans because that's the closest flight that people can go to Canada. That's so funny. That's what, that she, and she's a Canucks fan as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, she just said, well, for her, she's like, I just love the angry whale. But uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So talk about the angry whale then and tell us uh, your thoughts on the season. You know, I know you haven't watched all of the Canucks games, but uh, have you seen any of the playoff action and how I do you think they're going to do? Okay. So how I do you think? Besides the Wild not adva- not getting into the the first round of the playoffs, um, talk about the Wild second. I want to hear about your thoughts about the Canucks since they're you know active. Well, I think that they're really surprising everybody, and not to say that they didn't have the the talent to do so, um, but it's put it this way: I'm really excited that this young core with more pieces around them and with hopefully Markstrom locked up for the future that this team is going to be able to really make a dent and, and make a run sooner than, uh, than I think we all hoped as Canucks fans out here because the likes of you know Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, and Markstrom, that's such a perfect core that you probably can lock up at a price where you can build around, um, I don't want to say with ease, but realistically. And if the Vancouver Canucks can do that moving forward, I think this core is showing that no, they're so young. Quinn Hughes is what, 19, 20 years old, Patterson's 20, 21. And they're, they don't even have, you know, men's bodies yet. Like they're still very, <laughs> they, they still look like high school kids out there. Now, Bo, you know, he's five, six years in uh, to his professional career. He actually looks like an actual man out there and he's playing like one too, because he's a tank. So once kind of, you know, these, these, these young players who, again, they're showing they have the capacity to win, which is outstanding. But if they, you know, and they inevitably will just, grow take that next step and have the experience of this playoffs and, and hopefully more to come I think that this this team is you know where I thought was maybe like four or five years out from being like you know a St. Louis a Vegas Golden Knights maybe you know a two three um and uh and yeah so they're, they're playing outside of you know outside of their weight class right now I think <laughs> I, I, the St. Louis Blues they were a good matchup with they didn't shut down Quinn Hughes who was able to dominate the line and actually create play especially on the power play. And let's be honest, the St. Louis Blues, though still the reigning champs, though still, you know, a contender, they weren't the same team as they were last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were banged up. They didn't have Tarasenko. Jordan Bennington was not playing well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the decision to start him in that last game was horrible as well, seeing if Jake Allen was actually, you know, making some great saves and putting up some wins. So I don't want to say that, you know, the Canucks had it easy in that series, but it was definitely a winnable one, uh, you know, in hindsight. With the Vegas Golden Knights, they got absolutely embarrassed in the game one, and they got absolutely embarrassed in the second period of game two. So Vegas, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they're, you know, the Canucks are a better team and all, like, uh, argue certain, you know, certain points that, you know, could make a case for them to win. No, the Canucks have no business winning this series. But if they do, because purely on their talent and on the backs of Jacob Markstrom, who hands down has been their best player in this series because he's saving 40-plus shots every night. I'm sorry, they don't win any games in the St. Louis or Minnesota series without Jacob Markstrom playing as well as he did. Um, I, I think that if the if Vancouver could somehow their offense you know, be perfect and Jacob Markstrom lift them over the Vegas Golden Knights, they can beat the rest of the West. They can beat Colorado. They can beat Dallas because, in my opinion – 
Vegas is the best team in the West. And if the Canucks can get past them, well, they have the ability and probably the confidence to get past anyone else in the West, but they have no business being there. Um, <laughs> if you look at, if you look at them on paper, what it does show though, and I think it shows not only Canucks fans, but the entire hockey spheres, Jacob Markstrom and Dylan, uh, you know, my, the co-creator of the hockey podcast network, he will die on this sword. Jacob Markstrom is a top five goaltender in the national hockey league. And it is, can I, can I swear on this podcast? I can swear on this podcast, right? It is fucking showing it right now in the playoffs. Holy. <laughs> so, so there you go. There's my little, you know, Canucks fandom. And everyone on the soda yeah. pod right now, because I've kind of like bit my tongue all year and just talked wild yeah. and pretty much pretended that I was a wild fan. A lot of people actually didn't even know I was Canadian for the longest time. For like the <laughs> first 20, 30 episodes. Now my like true colors are coming out because, you know, the wild, you know, I, I told them like, yeah. I'm pumping the brakes on them right now until like news. <laughs> you know starts coming out again uh a few fans have been like geez like what is this a canucks podcast man like yeah bring in some more wild uh guests or something so but anyways Jeez. yeah that, that's kind of my my thoughts right now i think quinn hughes though in my opinion is the best skater since dennis savard and that's another uh wow. point that when when i was watching this kid prior to his draft year play um at michigan dylan and i um and this was actually in the early early rumblings of talking about hockey podcast network <laughs> We knew the Vancouver Canucks in that draft were going to take a, defend, a defender. So we were just watching film on all the defenders preparing for a radio show. I think it was a Saturday night. Our radio shows were Sunday. And as soon as we saw this kid skate, we both were lifted from our seat. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I've never seen it. And, you know, junior players can rip it up, you know, in junior B and in the CHL against, you know, lesser competition, especially, like, the, 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 better, the, the better CHL teams like the Portlands, you know, and whatnot. They can really make some, some you know, other junior teams look silly out there. But this kid at the university level and on the international stage was making, you know, elite prospects and, and, and professional players look silly. And Dylan said it. He's like, that guy looks like Dennis Savard out there. And I, though Dennis Savard is a forward, I'd say that the way he carves and spins, Rachel, like, don't you see that comparison? Yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> funny because no, he, so I, I mean, yeah. yes, he's he's very talented, and it's exciting to watch. I mean, I can't really remember watching Savard play. Well, me neither, but I went so, back and watched some of his film. <laughs> okay, just saying, uh, it's not like real fresh in my mind. I would have to go back yeah. and watch some tape, but uh, it is exciting. He does have the talent, and I was just trying to look up because I can't remember the name of the award he's nominated for. Oh, the Calder. The Calder, thank you, and I and I also mix up all those awards for which goes to which person. But anyway, <laughs> three years in a row, the Vancouver Canucks have had prospects nominated for this award because Brock Besser was nominated, uh, Elias Pettersson won. Which, by the way, Jordan Biddington was salty about. Get out of here, Biddington. Of course he was. Um, <laughs> a, a and then, yeah, and, Stanley Cup wasn't enough for his ego. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Whatever. And then, um, uh, like, get out of here. And then yeah. Quinn Hughes this year, who, you know, he's yeah. neck and neck with Kale McCarr. You can make a case for either of them. Yeah, um, what about Kubalik? Everybody's like, <laughs> no, not Kubalik. Even though hey, after that playoff performance, whew, I know. But Quinn good. Hughes, I think, I think Quinn Hughes is probably going to get it. Even we'll put it this way he his first year at, at 20 years old and he's the best defender who's ever skated for the vancouver canucks in history that's like, incredible and his what's his like he scored how many goals this season he um i think he was just under point per game so he was like a 50 point player i'll get it up right, right away the points that's right the points yeah he's got a lot for a defenseman so when well, he can shoot too like he doesn't have a muffin of a shot like that actually like when he finds the lane it can go through because troy stetcher is another smaller defender who played for university of north dakota actually won a championship with brock besser funny enough 
uh, in the NCAA. He like he loves finding the lanes and he's good at getting pucks through, but he does not have a hard shot. Whereas you look at Quinn Hughes, kind of does the same thing and it, and it gets through. He had eight goals and forty five assists for fifty three points in sixty eight games in his rookie season. That's and nice. he was one, two, three, fourth in scoring for the Vancouver Canucks, which is crazy. That is that is pretty crazy. I I would rather see him get it than anybody on the Avs. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Well, it's kind of cool because um, I, when I took a trip in Toronto to Toronto uh, this past year, um, I was at the training facility uh, that actually Quinn Hughes and and Jack uh, would would play at. And I I had a conversation with his mom Ellen when I was there. It was a quick little like five minute conversation with Ellen because Jack was playing uh, his debut uh, against the Maple Leafs. The, the game, the the first and only game I've ever been to uh, for the Maple Leafs. Um, and to see the facility that these guys are, are playing in uh, and practicing in, I mean, it's where they host the summer camp. It's called, it's called BTNL, um, over in, uh, I don't remember what, like, it's in Toronto, the general area. Um, but to know that, you know, Quinn and, and Jack and even Luke, um, they're all play, practicing and, and training and they have been for so long. And, and when I was there doing the photo shoots for, three days, I think it was, the kids that they have training in, in this facility um, that these pros are playing in, um, there's going to be, there's so many kids that are going to be coming out of this that are, that are going to be just as good as, as Quinn. And for me, I feel like Quinn is going to be a number one defenseman, just like a Duncan Keith or a Drew Doughty. Uh, and I think it's going to happen sooner than, than a lot of people think. I think he is like, he, he honestly, like, yeah, he makes a little bit of mistakes and you can see like in this Vegas series, I mean, in game, in game one, he was so down that like even Travis Green, the coach had to go to go to him and say like, it's okay. Like we're all getting shit on here. It's not just you kid. Yeah. Like they planned against you. You know, be proud of that, that the whole team strategy was to take away you moving the puck at the line. That, you know, if anything, take that and, and run with it, you know, mm-hmm. that you're 20 years old and, you know, that happens. So I, I think that the, that you're totally right. He's going to he's gonna become a superstar, but I think he's already the best and, and, and top defender on uh, this Canucks team. You know, complimented by, you know, the likes of Chris Tanev, a more stay-at-home guy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting times for the Canucks, and it's good because it's been – it's been a long time coming and, and I, I take nothing away from the organization to try to get as much as they could out of the Sedines and, and pretty much not rebuild with them still in the lineup. I get that and I respect that, but it's been almost a decade since the Vancouver Canucks have really done anything, you know, since they made that Stanley cup run. And uh, as a fan and as you know, a hockey fan, not just a Canucks fan here on the West coast of Canada, when the Canucks are buzzing, hockey is buzzing overall. There's more people out who just want to talk about the league, want to talk about the sport, even juniors. Um, and it, it, yeah, it just kind of lights up the island in the cities whenever a team makes playoffs. Okay, take give us a little bit of a history lesson on Vancouver and the riots. <laughs> oh no, about the Canucks because, like, there are probably some people who like have a vague sort of idea about, like, yeah, they just riot, you know, when they lose. So, you know, I'm sure I mean, they're not like, wrong. right because it it happened when you it was so so sort of just okay the short version of that backstory for people who don't know anything about the Canucks so 1994 the Canucks lost to the Rangers in game was a game seven in uh in MSG in New York and Vancouver uh rioted in in Vancouver 
Um, it wasn't on as big of a scale as the one that happened in 2011, which I'll get to in a sec. So that was kind of the first infamous riot. Um, it was the first time the Vancouver Canucks made the playoffs. And the story behind that team was they were kind of a ragtag team. Like they're all full of great players, you know, Jeff Cortinal. And, and, you know, he's an example of one of those players who was kind of like a third liner, late, late bloomer. And, you know, really found a spot with the Vancouver Canucks and was like a point-per-game player. You know, Pavel Burry still on the team, et cetera. That team caught fire, and no one expected them to go to make that run that they did. So, like, the Vancouver Canucks market just went went nuts. You know, this is their team they've been waiting so long for. Um, and, and obviously, burnt this, didn't burn the entire city down, but burnt a good chunk of the downtown core down 94. Fast forward to 2000. Go ahead, go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead. No, th- go ahead. Then I have a question. Fast forward to 2010, <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia gets the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. And for some reason, they decide to ride on the first night of that. But that was contained. It wasn't that crazy. But that's something a lot of people don't know about. Just because hoopla, we got the Olympics. Let's party. Let's riot. Um, much, much smaller scale riot contained done by the end of the night. 2011, I think that regardless of a win against the Boston Bruins, um, and this time in Vancouver, that people were gonna just tear tear shit apart and 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 cause anarchy. And I and I saw that firsthand because I actually was there. I was downtown. I went. I didn't go to the game, but I, I didn't go necessarily even to the viewing party where shit hit the fan post game. I went. <laughs> I found this little Korean tea house that nobody was in. <laughs> got them to got them to service a couple beers and just told them to put the game on. I was like. Can you put the game on? They're like, what game? I'm like, the, the fucking game seven, Vancouver Canucks and Boston Bruins. Put it on the TV. Let's go. And they did. And so we actually got to watch the game in actually somewhat of a peaceful area, not just crowded neck to neck, which was okay. The game did not go well, obviously. And um, we left, I think it was like five minutes left and started walking around downtown, a group of friends and I, and it went, it was so weird. And this is how mob mentality is such an interesting like case study is that it went from people, you know, strangers on the street crying, hugging, we'll get them next year, you know, screw the Bruins, it's okay. You know, they did the best that they could do. We still love Luongo. To one asshole lighting a cop car on fire, and it just went nuts. So I didn't see it per se, but I saw the smoke of it. And then people were jumping on cars. Then people were starting to break in windows. And then we started to see more people just enter the downtown core who weren't there to begin with. Exhibit A, the the, tax, the the van cab that I uh, flagged down, people were like, I think four, a group of four came out of the cab, put on their balaclavas, whipped out their baseball bats and just started, you know, wreaking havoc. And so I look at the cab driver and he's just in total like shock. He's like, where are you guys going? We're like Horseshoe Bay, like the bay outside where the ferries are so we can get back to Vancouver Island that night on the last ferry. And he's like, thank God, let's get out of here. And honestly, half an hour later, the city was shut down. Uh, the, the downtown core was shut down. They closed the bridges. And, you know, the city messed up. Really, they really did. You know, I, you obviously want to blame the people involved. And I, I'm pretty sure they actually finished arresting everybody that they had uh, footage of through, you know, cameras and news, you know, news uh, uh, choppers and whatnot. Um, and they just didn't prepare. The, 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 the city and the police did not prepare for the amount of, you know, high density viewing parties that there were scattered around the city and the lack of um, uh, law enforcement it made for, for what happened. And, you know, they ultimately had to bring a tank in downtown and get everybody, get everyone to scram. And it didn't, I don't think it, they got everyone out and contained it until like close to midnight. And, you know, unfortunately I had friends who were caught up in it, literally caught up in it. Some were hospitalized, you know, trampled on beaten. I mean, it it was, it was an ugly scene. I was really lucky to get out when I did. 
Um, and, uh, and obviously like, that's, that's something that I'll never forget um, yeah. for the rest of my life. But why? I don't why riot. I why think, why this like in enraged feeling when they lose in that city specifically? Well, I think unlike, for example, like um like, like soccer mobs, for example, which are just so passionate driven, I think that this market in particular, half of it was like, our <laughs> those 10 years did it, we're gonna do it too. Just a bunch of stupid people. And then I think honestly. And because I saw this with my eyes, the rest was it's psychology, mob mentality. Everyone else is doing it. You just, you feel it. I didn't, but, but I saw with my own eyes, you just, you feel it, you get caught up in it. And people like the, I, I'm pretty sure it was like a, I don't want to say it was the mayor's son. Cause that, that may be incorrect, but it was like, it might've been like the Dean of like UNBC or something like a high like level person's son was lost their scholarship and was arrested for lighting a car on fire, putting their Jersey in the gas tank and people throwing molotovs around like i think shit got insane like it was people were looting like the main strip of granville was yeah. completely torn down like and i think so i think that to answer your question that's what it was it was it was kind of a group of stupid people uh, uh really like kind of joking about it being like well they did in 94 you know preconceived people being like okay they lost here's an excuse to come down to the downtown corn right and then others with mob mentality some people have asked me this and, I, and I'll answer it, you know, the same way I've always have. I think win or lose, Vancouver was going to burn that city to the ground. I think, wow. that, I think that people were going to riot regardless. From what I heard, even just on the ferry going over in the morning, where like there were just people just talking about it already, whether they were joking or not. So, well, Like, I'm trying to um, understand that. Me too, you know, because people riot for like social justice issues and shit, you know, and maybe like yeah. a, a corrupt government out in like, you know, out, out east. Um, you know, my, my family, you know, having Middle Eastern heritage, I'm dialed into like the politics that go on out there. So for me to watch this, it's, it's embarrassing, quite frankly. It's like, A, it's not even, you know, like I said, passion, so you know, like soccer fan passion driven. It's just a bunch of idiots yeah. downtown who are wanting to burn shit down. And then others, you know, bystanders who get into that mentality and... Uh, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. Breezy, do you have any insight? <laughs> no, I mean, Thoughts? I think I think in general, like, hockey fans are passionate. But I think when it came down to rioting like that, like, it goes beyond being passionate. It just goes yeah. to, to just being stupid. And I think, too, and it's just my personal opinion, that, like, if people see other people doing stuff and, like, no one's getting caught, like, I feel like it's just, like, uh, one of the, like the snowball effect, like a tumbleweed. Exactly. Basically, there's, like, Oh, you just threw a rock or a brick over there? Yeah. And maybe if you've had a few drinks, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna throw a brick in this window now. And then like that's just what people can't be doing. And, mm -hmm. and as human beings, like we need to take uh awareness of, of everybody else and uh not destroy cities off of uh an emotion, especially, you know, as a as a hockey fan. I mean, mm -hmm. we've all had our heartbreaks with our team losing, but to destroy uh and and burn down a city because of, of being angry win or lose. Um, I think that's just kind of, I don't know. It, it puts almost like a bad taste in your mouth, but like it I love, I visited Vancouver uh, for my first time going to Canada. I went to Vancouver for my birthday and I fell in love with the, with the city. Um, Northern Vancouver is my favorite place so in Canada beautiful. to go. It is absolutely beautiful. And, um, and that's kind of when I was like, gosh, like this, 
this arena it is is fairly small in in my mm. opinion I, I think it's pretty small and to think that that entire city was just overtaken by Canucks fans who are so nice even though they were chirping me in French because I was wearing a Kings jersey at the time <laughs> they were playing all my birthdays so um but yeah it, it's crazy and um I'm just glad they've, they've kind of moved on from that for now and, and I hope nothing happens this year or fingers crossed three years from now yeah but you so, know what's yeah. crazy and the last thing i'll say about it, it's our local our local radio stations i'm personally i subscribe to tsn because sportsnet came in and actually took the rights from tsn and then poached some of my favorite uh radio hosts so <laughs> though i respect everything those at 650 do and i don't i don't chirp them anymore i'm a tsn loyal but anyway some of the tsn guys uh um were uh were talking that the next day on the radio show, they were saying that they saw like national news because this made the national news and made international news even that they were like, could you, you know, like, what is the family in like Beirut thinking? Oh, what's going right. on in Canada? You know, who's right. You know, what, what dictator is, is fucking <laughs> people right now? Oh, it's a, a, a what? A sporting a hockey? What the heck is hockey? They play this on ice? Like, <laughs> That's that that story that they talked about on the radio show. I was killing myself laughing. You know, just that not not because it was funny, just because that was the reaction. That was that was my emotional reaction to this, and and being there and seeing you know friends and people I know. You know, like 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 one girl I know got beaten up and has a metal plate in her jaw for the rest of her life now because trampled on in in a riot over a hockey game. So I know we've kind of gone down a dark path here, but like it's just it's ridiculous. It's crazy. And as a Vancouver Canucks fan, I'm not going to suck up to the you know the, those people in our market when I know that you know they it did leave a stain on the, the hockey world in our market and we got to do better. Yeah, and for anybody listening who has steered away from going to Vancouver for a hockey game, come to Vancouver Island it. instead. Come to Van- <laughs> go to Vancouver. I'm saying come to Vancouver like I live there. Go to Vancouver. It is a great place to visit. I've never been to the island, but I I want to go. Um, and I think that uh, Canucks hockey should, um, you know, grow beyond uh, maybe their history of, of the writing. So, yeah, that's my two cents. New generation, I think they will. I think yeah, will. a lot less I of a, so. a like a physically angry generation, more just you know yeah. an angry Twitter. Which you know we've talked to enough shade on Canucks right now. We won't even get into Canucks Twitter because that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, no. you've got a young team. It's all yes. nice. you got my boy, Tyler Toffoli, the cupcake man. You oh, cannot be What a game he had mad. the other night. I, oh, my he can He comes back, scores a goal, gets some assist. Oh, that guy. He is my guy. Love yeah. it. I love it. I Plus, love it, yeah. you're going to have a new rivalry with the Kraken. So, yes. hopefully, that'll take some of the rioting away and just create a new a new angst towards Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. So, you know, someone that we could actually get all our anger out, you know, we actually yes. even have someone that, that we can hate. That's not just yeah. Chicago because they kicked their ass in the playoffs or Calgary right. because they kicked our ass in the playoffs, you know, someone who can, we could actually have a rivalry with. And uh, my, I'm half American and all my American families in Seattle too, um, <gasps> who are, who are big WHL fans in Seattle and, and Winterhawks fans even some, you know, make the trip out to go see Everett play every now and then. So they're all jacked that there's uh, that there's going to be a, a national hockey league team uh, back in that beautiful Emerald City. Yeah. All right. Give us your uh, thoughts on the Wild this season and uh, their performance in the playing round. 
So roller coaster of a season because the first week they played, well, the first two weeks they played like absolute garbage, <laughs> where they're like last uh they're like sixth defender w- was leading the team in points with 10 right out of the gate and it was just like is this what's going to happen you know zach Parise is a ghost out here what's going on this team is so old they're so slow i was freaking out I'm like this is the team i had to cover all year <laughs> and then they turned it around and they started to buy in again to bruce boudreau's system which funny enough did get stale and they ended up firing him towards the end of the season but the wild kept playing well, um, I think a lot of it came down to goaltending where Devin Dubnik did not play like the all-star goaltender that he has been playing like for the last four years. And I want to take nothing away from the man because his wife was super ill with a life-threatening illness that she pretty much faced all season. So he was in and out of, well, the lineup. So sometimes he wouldn't even practice with the team. And as a goaltender, they're weird cats, right? You have to kind mm-hmm. of be dialed into another level than every other player. You have to be watching film, you know, in, you know, in a, in a different space, working with different coaches. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like the, like the defense and the offense in football, you know, the, it's almost like a complete, it is a completely different part of the game and to be separated and then further separated with your mind somewhere else, your responsibility somewhere else and physically not with the team for a lot, for big chunks in and out of the year. I don't blame them for not playing well, especially with a team that really relies on structure. And if you can't buy into that and really, you know, analyze it and practice it, it's setting you up for fail failure because that's what the Minnesota wild play. They're not a fast team. They're, they're not a, they don't have a ton of elite scoring on the team, but Oh my God, are they a great structural team and great defensive team. If you actually look at the analytics, a lot of people say, Oh, they're missing a top center. And, and I will say that they are missing a top center. Every team needs a 1C. But what actually analytically held them back was goaltending. Their backup was Alex Stalock. He played fine for, for a 1A. Uh, I'd say he, he rose to the occasion of being the starter in Dubnik, Dubnik's absence. And they got to take a look at their young uh, Kakanen, um, who's playing uh, their young Finnish goaltending prospect, who's been lighting it up in Iowa of the AHL. So overall, I think the season was a positive one for the Minnesota Wild. Their first half, they primarily played on the road. I think 80% of their games they played on the road. Their second half, they played at home. Well, guess what half of the season they played better in? At home, winning 70, I think 6% of the games the second half of the season, which got them on their run, um, which I think inflated the numbers a little bit because their shooting percentage was like way over uh, standard and their power play was clicking like crazy, which, you know, against the Vancouver Canucks, they went like zero for seven every fucking game. So it just shows that maybe they're like, you know, it was, they, they were, you know, drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid there towards the end of the season. We're on a bit of a run. Um, you, but, but, but I think that overall, trade? Oh yeah. And um, trading Jason Zucker too. I think overall that, that trade was, was really good at setting up the wild moving forward. Um, it, it got them a fill in piece in Alex Galchenik who needed a new, who needed some new scenery. They got a draft pick, which is they're going to get next year. Um, okay. Just, I won't get into that right now. That's Just, okay. you know, COVID, COVID <laughs> yeah. legalities, which, you know, made the pick uh, not this year's pick. And they also Back had a young... to to Staylock one more time. We yeah, found sure. out, and, and I didn't know this, but we found out he actually had almost a career-ending injury to his leg. Wasn't it? Didn't not, he, we've heard... Not this season, but a few years back, I believe he did, yeah. 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 So to have him as, like, your backup who almost had his career ended a few seasons ago, now be like your number one man, pretty much. Oh, he stepped up. That's a little dicey, but. 
Yeah. Well, he's a Minnesota native too. So everyone in the state, they followed it. And he was, I played, I believe he played for the university of Minnesota as well. Oh, so like they, they legend. There. He literally had a fan club. He had like a YouTube channel <laughs> of guys who would just like devote songs and, and videos to Alex Stalock when he played for uh, the university of Minnesota. So, so yeah, it was like, it was a pleasant surprise and everyone loves Al and, and he was not the issue in, in the qualifying rounds. He played outstanding. You know, he matched Markstrom in my opinion. Uh, to quickly go back to the trade that, that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Rachel, um, I, I think it was a good trade for, you know, they filled, they filled in the, the open spot that Jason Zucker uh, left. Um, you know, Zucker's, they, they needed to get whatever they could for him. And I think Billy Guerin being the new general manager did get, you know, that first round pick that'll be next year. And then Kale uh, uh, Addison, a, a great, great defensive prospect, which the Wild have great defense right now, but they're not going to be able to pay all of them moving forward. So they're going to have to bring in some younger talent on cheaper contracts. Uh, to kind of fill in the the void there. So I think overall, like the general manager being a new GM, he didn't do a lot, but he did uh, he did enough good to to set his team up. And he's been very vocal post qualifying that nope, we're going to change up the goaltending. Yes, we're going to address the center position, and we're going to build around this young uh, this young superstar winger that's coming from the KHL named uh, Kirill Kaprizov, who's supposed to be the best player not in the NHL right now, two time mm-hmm. KHL uh, 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 scorer. Uh, leading scorer, three-time uh, all-star team, uh, first all-star team. This kid's the real deal. And uh, though it's, he's not a centerman, they, they have two great wingers in Fiala and Kaprizov to build around. So I think overall it was a, it was a good season. They got to Billy Guerin got to see what he had, and now he can kind of trim the fat and build the team uh, how he wants. Man, is that not the best thing for a fan to hear? Is like the GM saying, we're going to fix this. We're going to fix oh. the, this problem. We're going to fix that problem. Because I can tell you, as a Chicago Blackhawks fan, <laughs> we don't fucking hear that. Yeah. And um, they say all the things that fans are like, are you kidding me? We should be doing this, you know? And uh, I don't know if how Breezy feels about her teams, but... God, what a gift from a, for, for Wild fans to sort of hear the manager say, yeah, we're going to address the concerns, like, bear mm. with us. We hear you. We know our issues. We're working on it. And like, whoa, honesty? Like, th- that, that makes you not want to riot as a fan, right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. It makes you go, okay, yeah, like, hugs all around. Let's go wild. Well, you know? he, he's so awesome because as a player, and you know, and he was, and he, he was an uh, American player as well, actually. Um, he was so good with the media. He was such a personality. Apparently in the room, too, he was legendary. Everybody loved him. He was the, he was the guy, though he was like, he was an all-star. He was the one playing pranks. He was the one taking the young guys out to dinner. He was the one that, you know, on, for example, the fourth line voice, he loves bringing on like some of the old fighters and on some like, I don't know, like some of the, the basement stories that you don't, the vault stories you don't hear about in the mainstream. And all of them who played with Billy Garen are like, this guy was just so much fun. And he's one of my favorite people. And he mm-hmm. brought that personality to the general manager position, a position that's usually very, very like conservative, especially in the National Hockey League. And he, you know, learned under Jimmy Rutherford in Pittsburgh as the uh, the assistant GM and general manager of Wilkes-Barre as well. So he's, he's he's basically learned from the most candid older GM in Jimmy Rutherford, who has no filter at all. Unlike, you know, those in Chicago, um, I'd say, you know, Boyle in, in Nashville and then, you know, the likes of Lou Lamorello in, in Jersey, formerly Toronto, who like, you don't hear squat coming from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Breezy, do you have anything else for Aisha or should we ask him our two questions? 
Oh God, I feel like I can talk to you all day long. I know. So I we'll know. Have to come on, I'll have to come on for part two and, and yes. we'll bring you two on the soda pod because uh, like, this is so much fun. Yes. All right. So, so who is your favorite hockey hunk? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, man, it's between, it's, be, it's between Lundqvist, Henrik Lundqvist, of course. Uh, sorry, Joel. <laughs> Lundqvist is definitely the, the better looking twin. Um, Joel's probably like, me! Oh, wait. <laughs> and, um, I mean, there's a few that I could probably, like, that I could probably list, but, uh, Tom Wilson. You gotta go with Tom Wilson. You gotta, yep. You gotta go it's with Tom tall. Wilson. I mean... He's got Smile, everything. Nice he's got, eyes. Exactly. And he's like, he's kind of a shithead, but you know he's probably like a teddy bear, you know, deep down. I don't know. He likes dogs. Yeah. Yep. Every, it seems like every NHL player likes dogs. That's true. That is true. We just talked about that. Actually. <laughs> we <did>. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last week, uh, it was like, what is it about hockey players and hockey fans? Everybody's dog people, not cat people. Yeah. Except for the yeah. one, the what few off ones. Can, but, I, yeah. can I put in a, an honorable mention for someone who's not in the league anymore, but who still is a freaking hunk? Of course. Uh, Timu Solani. The guy's uh. got more hair than I do, and I'm like, I'm 27. <laughs> yes. Timu. And he's Man. funny, too. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. funny. He's got a great personality. All right. Who's your yep. favorite hockey lady? Besides you two? Um, of course. <laughs> Gets us every time. Everybody says it. We love the, we love the flattery, though. We'll yeah. take it. Uh, Mary Philippe Poulin. She's uh, she's cute, and she is an amazing player that I'm awestruck every time I see her. And also Bridget Laquette. Um, she played, I believe, with the Calgary team before the CWHL folded, and she also made the Olympic team, and I believe she was the first Indigenous woman to make the Women's Canada Olympic team. And she doesn't put up a ton of points, but plays a really sound defensive game. So I'd say both of those are my, my favorite two uh, women's hockey players right now. Awesome. All right. Tell everybody where they can uh, follow you and listen to you on the um, Hockey Podcast Network. Yeah, well, first, <laughs> at HockeyPodNet on all social media. Um, you can find myself at VI Sports Talk almost at a thousand followers so help a brother out um and of course uh the soda pod we'll be doing two episodes every week we live stream uh 5 30 pacific time 7 30 central um every wednesday and sunday and you can find us on uh, any of the hockey podcast networks um uh, pages we'll be streaming through there and you can find us at the soda pod we have fun beer poll questions every week we have fun uh hockey poll questions and we're featuring more and more guests and my, my new co-host who actually was a fan who used to just write in uh, critiques. Be like, I liked this, didn't like this, agreed with this. I brought him on for like a fan segment and we instantly just had chemistry and I was like, man, do you, you, you want to do this? Like, do you want to come on full time? That's at State of Hoppy. Go give him a follow. Um, and I really appreciate you two bringing me on. This was so much fun and I feel like we could literally talk all night. For sure. Definitely. Well, thank you for coming on and uh, yeah, thanks for hosting us. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Like, you have no idea that this network it, it would not be what it is without the host. It would not be what it is without the House of Hockey. So we really appreciate it. We wouldn't be here without you. So thanks. Thanks for coming over to our House of Hockey podcast and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. Just look for House of Hockey podcast. We'll be back next week.